Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. If you're taking notes, the title of my, my message is, I want to change. I want to change. Uh, has there ever been an area of your life where you just, you tried really hard to change that area, but you couldn't change it? Uh, maybe it was it was something dealing with with uh, maybe your your physical kind of appearance. Maybe it was your weight. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was just your health. There was something that you wanted to change. You wanted to get better eating habits, or you wanted to start working out. Uh, has there ever been an area of your life where maybe maybe even something like your attitude you wanted to change? And no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't change it. Like you tried really hard. Maybe you deal with anger. Maybe you deal with gossip. Maybe, maybe you deal with just being negative. Uh, maybe you battle discouragement. And you find yourself at times in your life dealing with these things. And you're just like, I want to change. And you try and you try and you try, but you just can't change it. The good news is, is that there is nothing impossible for God. God specializes in transformation, not behavior modification. But he specializes in transforming our hearts, our minds, our very souls. That's how he changes us. That's how he transforms us. I was thinking about this earlier. There was a time in my life, and I have family here to support this, and they will probably amen. I had a time in my life where I was so far from God, I was so messed up, so jacked up. My issues had issues. My family didn't like being around me. People did Matter of fact, Jocelyn and Cottrell would not even let me go to their apartment. They just, they were like, you can't come over here if you're going to act like that. Boy, you are crazy. It was a time where my life was just, it was out of control. I was addicted to all sorts of different drugs. I was, uh, I was actually, this is this news you need to know about your pastor. I was in and out of jail because of violent crimes. I would fight people. Every night I'd go out, I would get in a fight with somebody. And all of it was because I had, I had these things on the inside of me. Really, it was a brokenness and a pain on the inside of me. And I was an angry young man. I remember going to a party one night, and uh, I was young. I was 15 years old, and the, the biggest guy at this school, he was there that night. He was a massive guy at Woodlawn High School. He's a football player. And he was at that party, and I was just angry sitting over there. And one of my friends dared me to go and hit this guy. And I went over there, and I just took off running. And if you know anything about baseball, I was a baseball player when I was younger. There's something called, called like a crow hop where you, you take off running and you throw the ball like this. I crow hopped into this guy's face, okay? And I hit this guy and knocked him out. And as soon as I hit this guy, I went around the side of the house behind an air conditioner, like a unit, and I, I, I just slid down, and I just began to weep and cry. And I realized in that moment, I wasn't a fighter. I was a hurting young man, and I had all this pain and anger on the inside of me. And, and I remember saying, I, I got to fix this. I got to deal, deal with this. This has got to change in my life because I keep going to, I keep getting, you know, arrested by cops for fighting people, and I keep ruining my relationships, I keep hurting my mom, I keep doing all these crazy things, and so, you know what I did? I went to uh, anger management. I'm not against anger management. I think anger management is great, but I didn't need management of my anger. I needed a heart transformation. I needed my life changed, and I went to anger management, and it, and it didn't work. I mean, I kind of suppressed the anger for a little bit. I kind of stuffed it, and I, I just knew I didn't want to go to jail, so I just kind of stopped fighting for a little bit, but my life wasn't transformed and changed. It was still on the inside of me. There was pain there. I remember going to a counselor, and this counselor, Dr. Doug Carroll, he taught me something. He said, son, when do you get really angry? I said, when I'm driving, I want to kill people. And that was before I lived here in San Francisco. I mean, the 101 will make you want to just lose your mind, you know. And I, I remember telling him, I, I just want to kill people 
when they pull out in front of me, I just want to get out of my car and just, ah. And he said, here's what I want you to do, Jason. From now on, when you're driving, when you feel angry, just roll down your window and stick your head out your window. Don't curse. Don't wave at people with a middle finger. He said, I want you to take deep breaths. Take deep breaths and just breathe. You need to inhale and exhale. And I remember doing that, and I was like, this is so dumb. I remember the first time I tried doing that behavior modification little thing, and people were looking at me, laughing at me. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm going to beat that person up if they keep laughing at me. I was so angry, and I, but I wanted to change because I was ruining my life. Literally, I, my anger was, was, was causing me to ruin my life. I remember my, one of my, I think it was my mom, told me, she goes, I'm going to buy you a punching bag. She bought me a punching bag. I would work that thing over. It didn't work. Nothing would work. In my own efforts, I couldn't transform myself. I couldn't change myself. But the good news is, is that even when we can't change ourselves, even when we can't transform our own lives and our strongholds and the things that are in us that we can't break off of our life, the good news is it's not by power or by might, but by the Spirit of God. That's how we can accomplish these things. That's how we can achieve freedom in our life. That's how we can be transformed in our life is when we lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. I love Galatians 5 because Galatians 5, it shows us what a person's life looks like when they are not controlled by their flesh, not, not led by their own promptings and their own impulses and their own proclivities, but when they're led by the person of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is, is leading your life, when the Holy Spirit is literally, when it says controlled, it means arrested by the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit has arrested you, captivated you, and he begins to lead you, when you follow his leadings, it produces a life that, man, you're going to love. It produces a life that where you can make a difference in other people's lives. It produces the type of life where people actually want to be around you. How many think that's a good idea, where your wife wants to actually be around you? It, it can produce in you and through your life and around your life the type of life that you really want. The type of life that you pray that you could one day experience, the Holy Spirit actually produces that in you. I want to read these few verses because there's a great contrast of, of whenever we control our life, when we lead our life, you'll see what it produces. It's the works of the flesh. But when we, when we lean into what the Holy Spirit wants to do, as we follow his leadings and his prompting, it produces a different type of life. Here's what it says. It says, Paul says, so here's what I say to you. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by, that means live in the Spirit. Man, man, be in fellowship and friendship and relationship with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, watch this, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's saying these two things are mutually exclusive. Like you, you're, you can't follow the Spirit and fulfill the desires of your flesh. You can't follow your flesh and actually say you're following the Spirit. They're mutually exclusive. It's like you can't run on, at eight on a treadmill and eat a Krispy Kreme at the same time. It just can't happen. It's impossible. You cannot follow the Spirit and, and fulfill the, the desires of your flesh. It just won't happen. He says, and so the key is walking with the Spirit. And he says this, for the flesh desires, this is our flesh, our carnality, our natural, our natural propensities and our, our natural bent is this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. They're in contrast. It says, and the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are, look at this, they're in conflict with each other. There's a war between the two, what your flesh wants and what the Spirit wants. And then he says this, he says, uh, so that you, are not do, you cannot do whatever you want, just whatever you want, you can't do that. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Watch this, the works of the flesh are obvious, like it's obvious. It's sexual immorality. That's anything outside of the way God designs and defines our sexuality. This, this is what it produces, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, casting off restraint, doing kind of whatever we want, wild parties, 
idolatry, putting things and people uh, above God and seeking them before God, witchcraft. The, the Greek word there is pharmakia. It's uh, essentially, it's like where we get the word pharmacy from. It's the abuse of, 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 uh, of like medic, medication and stuff. For them, it was, they would worship their gods, but they would intoxicate themselves with, with pharmakia, with medication. So when you see witchcraft, you're like, oh, I'm good. I don't do any witchcraft. Well, if we abuse substances, it's a form of that. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of ranger. Look at this one. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Like I'm just going to climb up to the top in my company and I don't care who I hurt to get there. Selfish ambition. That's, that's the works of the flesh. He says this, uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, causing, causing drama at the office. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, save the drama for your mama. My mentor taught me that. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and look, he says, um, orgies and the like. Like, he's like, this isn't an exhaustive list. You see where this thing's going. When you follow yourself, when you're in control, this is what our life looks like. It's a mess. It just screws everything up. He's like, have you seen any of those things in your life? And I think we can look at that list and we're going to be like, man, that looks pretty severe. I'm a pretty good guy. If you actually dug, I don't have the time, but if you dug into the Greek words of all those things, you would actually see, we see these in different forms and shapes throughout our life. It's essentially, it produces death is what it is. Our marriage begins to die when we follow our, our own promptings and desires. Uh, our business begins to languish. You know, everything begins to fall apart when we follow the flesh. But he goes on, he says this. He says, I warn you. So it's a warning. It's an, it's an admonition. I warn you as I did before. So it sounds like the Galatians keep having problems. And he keeps, he's like, I'm going to keep working with you with this, but, but I've already told you this before. Like, you already know this. You know what's amazing? There's a lot of churches today, a lot of people that preach and teach, and they try to come up with some, like, really new revelation that's very intellectual and can just stimulate you cerebrally. Here's what I know is that the Bible has enough, like, fundamental, rudimentary things that we already kind of know, but we just, a lot of times, we're not obedient to those things and living a submitted life to the Scriptures. And we're looking for new revelation. God's like, just do the stuff I've already kind of told you to do. Paul's like, I've kind of done, gone through this before with you, but I'm going to go over it again. He says this. There's a contrast. That's the works of the flesh. But look, but the fruit. Notice he doesn't say works of the spirit. It's works of the flesh. That's what you do. And it's fruit of the spirit. It's what he does. It's not a work that you can accomplish. It's something that he produces. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is, look at this. Don't you want your life to look, look like this? It is love. This is not like a love like we can just produce. This, is, this word here is agape love. This is the love that God has for us. It's unconditional. It's unmerited. It's unqualified. Don't you want to love people like that? Where they don't have to qualify for your love? Where, where your children don't have to qualify? It's, there's no conditions. The people you meet at your workplace, like some of them, I know they drive you crazy. But what if God could produce in you and through you a love where it doesn't matter how unlovely they are? You just want to love them. You Listen, you can't produce that. I can't. But he says the Holy Spirit, this is one of the byproducts of having him in your life. He produces the fruit that is love, joy. Like this joy is like, this is more than happiness. Happiness is about happenings, about circumstances. Joy doesn't come from the things around you. It comes from something in here. 
It's, it's a joy that comes from a salvation that comes from Jesus. It's a joy that comes from knowing I've been forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. I have a relationship with my Father. It, it, it's a joy that comes from knowing, man, I, I have everything I need because I have Jesus. It doesn't matter that I don't have this or this or this. I have joy because I have Jesus. He says that comes from, from the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. I don't know if you've ever been in those moments where you're just like, I just feel like I have no peace. I can't sleep at night. I'm so anxious. I'm so, I'm so like stressed out about my job and the workload and, and trying to make the quota and all these things. Listen, the Holy Spirit, even when you're facing things like that, the Holy Spirit can, can produce in you a peace that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't even make sense. That person's been diagnosed with cancer, but they have such peace. How? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that. It says peace, patience. Dear God, I need this one. Patience. Patience. I'm going to move right past that one fastly because I don't even want to talk about that. He's working that in me right now. <laughs> Kindness. Kindness. It's where you can actually, you can actually be kind to people. Not, not just like a fake kindness, but where it just it oozes off of your life. A contagious kindness where people are drawn to you. That's an attractional quality that the Holy Spirit can produce in you. I'm telling you what, it's the kindness of God expressed through his church that leads people to repentance. Yeah. When a church has a spirit of kindness, I'm not talking about just hospitality. I'm talking about kindness. When people walk into our church and, man, they see some of you and you're drinking your little mocha and you're just kind of working it and you're just kind of there. And all of a sudden you see them and it's a genuine smile, not like that one you painted on in the morning. But you're actually, there's a kindness about you. Why? Where does that kindness come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit reminds you how kind God's been to you. And that kindness just comes out of you. And, man, you're just kind to people. I struggle with this sometimes. Sometimes I'm just irritable. I'm on this little eating plan right now called keto. Have you heard of that? And it's hard for me to be kind to people. I'm hungry. I call it ketitude. It's a, it's a keto-induced attitude. Ketitude. I got ketitude today. I'm just not being kind. I need to eat a piece of bread or something. What are they talking about? Goodness. The Holy Spirit produces goodness in us. Faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. I would submit to you that this isn't even an exhaustive list. There's nine things there, but I think the Holy Spirit, man, this is the, he's saying this is the direction your life could go if you would just follow me, if you would follow my promptings and leadings. He goes on and he says this, um, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us, watch this, keep in step with the Spirit. It's like when you're walking. Elton and I were traveling. Uh, we, we, were, we were flying to L.A. yesterday, and we went to L.A. for this little conference, and we, we showed up, and we were wearing the same shoes. And that's kind of weird, but when, when, you, when you're with somebody that is just smooth, like Elton's smooth, he's just like cool. I'm not that cool. I have a life insurance policy and a disability policy, and I wear big glasses. I'm not cool. I get it. Elton's so cool. But I looked over when we were walking through LAX, and, man, we were just kind of owning it. You know, we were just looking cool. And I looked at, well, we look, you're looking cool. I was just with you, so it made me look cool. <laughs> but we were wearing these shoes. We were wearing the same shoes. Just we didn't even care. We don't even care. We look cool. And I looked over at him, and every step, we were actually, it was the same stride and tempo. <laughs> And Ellen's got a little bit of a swag, too. You, I mean, he's like, just kind of. 
And so I started doing it too. I'm like just walking to the airport, like owning it. But every single step in our little black vans was like, it was in step, it was in sync. And we were just, the Bible says right here, that's how we should be with the spirit in sync, in step with the Spirit. It, we're synchronized, and we're, we're not veering off doing our own thing. We're not just stopping and letting him do his thing, and we're pursuing this. He says, keep walking. Keep walking in the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. Stay, stay synced up with the Spirit. How do you do that? It's when you build a relationship, an intimate relationship. It's when you welcome him. In our songs, when we're saying, come Holy Spirit, you know what we're saying? Hey, come on, and we're going to follow you. We're going to get into what you're doing. We're going to lean into what you're saying. We're going to go to where you're going. We want to be in step with you. That was a great spot for a little clap there. If you clap, if you shout, I'm going to preach faster, better, get you out of here. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become proud or conceited. You see, the, the challenge is this, is when our, our life begins to look different and we begin to maybe look, look morally, our life begins to look like we're kind of, we've come out of some stuff and we're kinda, we have it together. The temptation is always to think that we accomplished it and be proud. And then we become moral elitists. And then we begin to judge other people that look like the works of the flesh list. And then we become just religious people. And then people that are irreligious or don't know God, they feel judged by us because we think we're better than them because we become proud. But God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we should humbly stay in step with the Spirit, allowing him to produce in us and through us the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you three points to write down because my wife likes to write down points. So I'm going to give you three points to write down. How does he do this? How does he produce this change? The first one is this, internally. This is an internal shift that happens. God doesn't change our doing. He changes our desiring. It's an internal thing. He changes us from the inside out. Religion changes you from the outside in. But true spirituality, true intimacy with God, when you've truly come into relationship with Jesus, you're not trying to clean yourself up. You're just trying to build a relationship with a person and as you build your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, watch, here's what he does. You used to desire to only listen to Drake. Not that that's bad or anything. I'm not trying to judge nobody. I may have listened to it yesterday. Stop, okay? If you don't know who Drake is, it's all right, whatever. Barbara Streisand, maybe that's who you like. You used to listen to Barbara Streisand. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you got a desire to turn on a little Hillsong worship. All of it is, all of it, you never, listen, back in the day when you were partying, you going crazy, you turning up at the club, you weren't thinking about worship, but all of a sudden, you don't even know where it came from. I'm just starting, I, I kind of starting to tap my foot in church. I like this. I, now, now all of a sudden, you're like, where can I find that song? You're going to Spotify. You're trying to find the songs they sing. At you know what's happening? The Holy Spirit, he's internally, he's changing your desires. He's changing them. It's, this is the supernatural work of God. I don't fully understand how it works, but when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of a person, the evidence is this, is that their desires start changing. And, and here's what's crazy. There's a denomination that was established that said this doctrinal statement, that the evidence or the initial evidence that a person has the Holy Spirit in their life is that they speak in tongues, which is a false doctrine. It's wrong. If you grew up in that, listen, I did too. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life is that you'll speak in tongues. The Bible actually says that the evidence that the Holy Spirit's in your life is that he is producing fruit in your life. I know people that speak in tongues, but they can't control their tongue. 
the Holy Spirit will give us self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about the topic of speaking in tongues later. I think that's an important topic to talk about. But as it relates to spiritual maturity, the maturation process of the Holy Spirit is not that he gives you a new language to speak, but that there's love coming out of your life. There's joy coming out of your life. There's self-control coming out of your life. It's a transformation that he does. It's a change of the Spirit, and it starts right here on the inside of you. He changes your desires. Look, look how many times, I won't read it for the sake of time, but look how many times it says the word desire. Right. It's the desires of your flesh, but it's the desires of the Spirit. And you can choose which one you will follow, which gives me the second little point for you right here. Uh, he changes us willingly. Listen to me. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Is that he begins to, begins to, to internally change your desires, but it says this, that a war is happening between the two desires. Before, there was no war because there was no work of the Spirit in your life. You, you just had you and your flesh and your carnal desires, and so you could do whatever you want. That's what Galatians says. But once the Holy Spirit comes in your life, now all of a sudden, you start having these other desires. And at the same time, you still have your old desires. And it's like a tug of war on the inside of you. Like, I know I shouldn't sleep with this person on this first date. That's a good idea. That's not even like a Christian thing. That's just a good idea. I know I should not sleep with this person, and yet my, my hormones and my testosterone, my, there's something on the inside of me saying, I want this. And, and it's not just biological. It's spiritual. It's our carnal flesh that wants that. And so there's a tug of war, but here's what happens. Listen, and you can, put, you can fill in the blank with all kinds of different things. What happens is, is the more you, you struggle with that and you become obedient, and you begin to follow the Spirit, those desires begin to change. But the point I'm trying to make is, it's not going to be a forceful thing. The Holy Spirit's not going to be like dragging you over here to do the right thing. That's not how it works. Like It's never worked like that in my life. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do nothing. He, he's, going to, he's going to woo you. I love you, Teresa. You make me preach better. I'm going to bring you on the road with me when I preach. Be like, Teresa... Come on, let's do this. Listen to me. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The Holy Spirit is not going to be like, you're not doing that, and I'm making you do this. You know, it says this. It, it says an interesting phrase. Um, it says, uh, where is it at? Right here. It says, Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us. You know what that says? It's personal responsibility. The Holy Spirit can't, can't mature you without your cooperation. Without you saying, I want to do this. That's my flesh. But I want to do what will please the Spirit. Because I know that he knows better than me. And I know that what he can produce, I can't produce. And I'm just going to do this because I know it's right. I know it's what he desires. And I know the benefit, the ROI on this investment will be so great. It will be so amazing. If I do this, I'm going to ruin my marriage. If I do this, I'm going to ruin my integrity. I'm going to ruin my character. I'm going to ruin my reputation. But if I do this... Man, this is going to reap such amazing blessings and benefits. But you have to make a decision. Who will you follow? Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says this. Don't be misled. This is our verse for our 21 days of prayer. Don't be misled, Paul says. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. Mm, that's so good right there. Fill in that with the Spirit. You cannot ignore the Spirit and get away with it. He says this. A man will always reap... Just the kind of crop that he sows. 
If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil and will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. You know what Paul's saying? There is, there's a decision in your life you're going to have to make at times, a lot of times. Am I going to sow? I'll change the word sow to invest. Am I going to invest in what my flesh desires? Or am I going to invest in what the Spirit desires? And he uses an interesting word there that one of the English translations says corruption. The Greek word there it simply means this. It's, it's kind of gross. It means, uh, it means decomposing. It's a, it's a corpse of something that's dead that is decaying and decomposing. He says, when you follow your own desires, the desires of your flesh, it leads to a decomposing life, a decomposing marriage a decomposing spirituality. But when you follow the Holy Spirit and you invest in the Holy Spirit and you seek to, to follow the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to reap the ROI, the return on that investment. It's going to be so beautiful. Everlasting life. That's not talking about just some place that we're going to go when we die one day. It's right now. Everlasting life, eternal life is intimacy with God, knowing the grace, peace, joy, and mercy of God in a fresh way, in a vibrant way. I want to live that kind of life. Don't you? Amen. Here's the last one, and the band can come up. Um, oh, let, let, can I read you one scripture? I'm so excited. Let me, let me, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give it to you in just a second, but let me read you these two scriptures. Deuteronomy 30. This was a promise that God made to the children of Israel who were following their own desires of their flesh, and they had, they're, they're in a bad place. Their lives are ruined. And God comes in, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to do this not because you deserve it, I'm going to do it because my name is on the line. Yeah. I'm going to do it because it's, this is going to make my name famous. This is going to make people are going to see your restoration, your redemption, how you've been forgiven, how you've been restored. They're going to see it and they're going to give glory to me. That's what God says. But he goes on and this is what he tells them. That you're going to, you're going to see an outward prosperity, Israel. But the outward prosperity will follow an inward transformation. And here's what the transformation is. He says in chapter 30, verse 19 to Israel. Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Oh, wait. Sorry, wrong one. Dear Jesus, where's it at? I don't see it. I'm going to tell it to you anyway. He says this to him. I scratched it from my notes. He says this to him. He says um, to all of you, he goes, there will be an outward prosperity. There will be a blessing in Israel. He says, but here's what I'm going to do for you first. I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And the spirit that I'm going to put on the inside of you, the transformation I'm going to put on the inside of you, here's what it's going to do. It's going to lead you to a place where you'll begin to make choices and decisions. Following the spirit inside of you, you'll begin to make those choices and decisions and your life's going to be transformed and changed and I'm going to restore you as my people and all of the nations around you, are, they're going to see it. But it comes with a choice. And then it goes on and he says this in, in Deuteronomy 30. That was the verses above. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You and your children might live. What is he saying? It, it's a choice you have to make. It's, it's a choice. It's got to be a willing thing that you make. It's on you. It's not just on him. You're cooperating with the work of the Spirit. You're cooperating with what he's doing in your life. And then um, here's, here's the last little scripture I want to give to you, and I'll, I'll be quiet. Philippians 2 says this. I love this. For God is working in you through his Spirit. For God is working in you, giving you, look at this, the desire and the power 
to do what pleases him. He will give you the desire and he'll also give you the power. Romans 8 says it like this. It says, because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, we have no obligation whatsoever to do what our sinful nature is urging us to do, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can put to death the flesh. That is that the Holy Spirit has empowered us to live in victory, to live in freedom. And as we follow him, it will put to death our flesh and we'll reap an abundant life. We'll see so much fruit in our life. It'll be unbelievable. And the last one is this, is that God changes us through his Holy Spirit gradually. It's a process. Thank God that he doesn't say, you're saved and now I expect for everything to look different in your life right now. I'm so grateful he doesn't say that. I'm so grateful that 2 Corinthians says that the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more. You know what that tells me? It is a process. It is stage by stage, glory by glory. It's stopping this thing and this thing and this thing. It may not, there's some people that have that beautiful testimony of, you know what, I just gave my life to Jesus at an altar one day and I stopped smoking, drinking this and that and blah, 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 and my life is perfect. And I'm like, you are a liar and that's the thing God needs to work on now. Because that ain't my story, homie. It's, it's, it's gradual. What he does is gradual. I was thinking about, and I, I told him I was going to pick on him. Uh, I was thinking about Julian over here. Man, I'm so proud of you. I watched this dude come to our church. Uh, I don't even remember whenever, what day it was you showed up. I don't remember if it was launch Sunday or when, but they showed up at our church. And uh, I have watched the Holy Spirit work in your life. I have watched him do something in your marriage. I'm not saying you're perfect because your wife, she's amen right there. You're not perfect yet. You're not perfect. You're in process. I'm watching God transform your life. I sat down with him at lunch the other day, and he just told me, he goes, Pastor Jay, I just, I thought I'd be farther along by now. I just thought I'd be better, at this, you know, and, and I just encouraged him with this thing. I said, listen, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. He's not looking for, it's a gradual process. He sent me a video last night. I'm telling you, I, had, I was holding back the tears. He, uh, there's a family, I told you about it. There's a family that has, they're just like Justin, they have seven kids, right, and the, this couple, and he, he approached me one day after church. We talked for an hour back in the teacher's lounge, and he could not stop. His heart was so overflowing with love and compassion. He said, Pastor Jay, I, I can't do everything, but I can do something. This family, they, those kids were sleeping on the floor in their house. I mean, it was a mess. The children had lice in their hair. It was a, it was a terrible situation. And, and it the Holy Spirit in him began to well up compassion on the inside of his heart. And he said, I got to do something. And he started a GoFundMe page, seven, seven ch uh, children, seven wishes, raised thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, this weekend, he went to Ikea and made numerous loads to Ikea, bought all kinds of furniture, hired, hired people to come in and to clean out that house. And him and his wife went there. They put together the furniture, loved on this family. You would have never done that. A year ago, two years ago, five years ago. All you were doing, were you were following your flesh years ago. But right now, you're following the Spirit. You're not perfect, but you're in process. You're progressing. You're moving forward. It's a gradual thing. Listen, listen, I, I believe that there's more people like him that's here today. Listen, your, your life may, you may still be struggling with the same thing. It's all right. Just keep, keep staying in step with the Spirit. Let him work. Let him do the work. You work with him. You begin to just submit your life to his leading, to his prompting. I'm telling you, he'll begin to change your desires. Internally, something will start changing from the inside out. You'll start saying yes to the Holy Spirit, being obedient to his leadings and his promptings. And man, I'm telling you, over time, just give it time. You, listen, we screw our life up over time. It's going to take a little bit of time to get out of those things and to start seeing the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, God is more patient than you think he is. 
He's got more grace than you think he does. He loves you more than you think he does. And he's, he's not trying to rush you in this process. He's eternal. He doesn't even have a timepiece. He, he, he is just saying, hey, listen, you take your time, but you make sure you stay working with me. And over time, I'm going to produce in your life and through your life. If you'll just follow me, follow my leadings. On the other side of this, you're going to look back. And man, you're going to say, thank God that I didn't just follow my own leadings and promptings, but I follow the Spirit. And when we follow the Spirit like that, man, we see amazing fruit in our life. Amen. Come on, if you receive that, why don't you clap your hands. I want to pray over you. Holy Spirit, we just, we thank you that you do for us and in us something that we cannot do. We can't accomplish that in our own efforts. Paul said to the Galatian church, he said, who's, who's fooled you? Why are you trying to finish something in the flesh in your own efforts, what was started in the spirit? And the point he was trying to make is this, is that it's the Holy Spirit that starts the process, works with in conjunction with the Father and the Son to bring salvation in our life, to redeem us, to restore us, to forgive us. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps working. He's working. He, he works in our lives. And right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to work in our lives. Come on, out of your own heart, just, just, just say that. To Holy Spirit, I welcome you to work in my life. I welcome your work. I, I, I want to follow your desires, not my desires. I want to follow your leading, not my leading. My leading gets me in trouble. My leading screws things up and messes things up and it, it, it corrupts my life and it decomposes areas of my life. But I want my life to flourish. I want my life to produce love and, and faith and, and, and joy and patience and all that. I want that to come out of my life. I don't want bitterness and anger and rage. And I, I, want, I want you, Holy Spirit, to do what I cannot do. And, and my role is this, is to say yes to your leading. We say yes to it right now. Work in our lives. Hey, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just, let me ask you this question. If maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God. This whole thing is new to me. Maybe this is your first time here. Or maybe, maybe you've been coming to church or you've been around church, but you would say, I just don't have a real personal relationship with God. I don't know him. I, I don't know God. But today I want to. I want to become a follower of Jesus. The Bible says this, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is, whoever calls upon Jesus, they will be saved they'll be forgiven, they'll be given a fresh start and a new beginning. It doesn't matter your spiritual pedigree, your background, it doesn't matter if you're white or black, it doesn't matter where you've come from, it doesn't matter your, it, nothing matters. It says whoever, whoever, that's you, that's me, whoever calls on Jesus can be saved. You can call on the name of Jesus. You confess your sins to him, the Bible says he's faithful to forgive you of your sins. I want you to pray with me today and if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come down to the front, we'd never want to embarrass you. This is a personal moment between you and God. I want you just to pray a prayer like this. You don't, you don't have to say it out loud, just in your own heart. Say, Jesus, today, I give my life to you. I give my life to you today. I want you to lead me by your spirit. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, every single one of them, the ones that I know I've done, the ones I know I've committed, and the ones that maybe I was completely oblivious. Right now, forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry, Jesus. I ask you to give me a, a fresh start in life and a new beginning. 
I desire a relationship with you. I I don't even know what that's going to look like, but I just ask you to help me, Jesus. I give my life to you today. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising for me. Thank you that you're coming back for me one day. I'll follow you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every person that today they've committed their life to you. I pray that you would fill their life that you begin to transform them from the inside out and that their life would produce beautiful fruit that a hungry world can come and they can feast on the love of God expressed through them with joy and patience. God, let that fruit, let that evidence come out of their life that you are living on the inside of them by the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.